Hello, this is Lisa LaRose here on Connect to Love on PRNFM, and I'm joined by the inspiring, ever-inspiring Michael J. Russ. I want to welcome you, Michael, and uh, wrap a virtual hug around you. <laughs> Just say, you. I'm so glad Thank you're me. here. We do that every day. We give virtual hugs over the over the DM. That we do. That we do. I know. And you you are always inspiring me. And Michael sent me a wonderful video this morning of Denzel Washington uh, speaking on the subject of not just failure, but really uh, wanting to do something in your life and to keep trying. And uh, I'll tell you, Michael, when you send me things, sometimes it sparks thoughts in my head and I was thinking about how Alan Watts the the writer once said you know you can't get wet from the word water and how that is applied to what Denzel Washington was speaking about in the video because there are so many people who are afraid to even put their toe in the water <laughs> and get wet in regards to trying something new whether it's a belief that they've had as a child that trying something new, they're going to fail. And and that word holds so much stigma uh, attached to it. And and I really, I think it's all about putting forth the effort. Uh, many years ago, I remember a group of individuals that were uh, wanting me to go out and rock climb and, and just do the climbing wall and to try it out. And and I thought, geez, I, I have no idea. You know, what do you mean I have to put this harness around me and then you're going to tie a rope to me? <laughs> I'm going to go up this wall and fall? I'm going to fall off the wall and, and actually practice falling off the wall and learning how to get back up and getting back up? And I don't have any arm strength. That's what I used to say. I don't have any arm strength. And then it just took one person to show me a few techniques that when you know when you reach for something don't use your arms to pull you up use your legs and if you twist you'll gain more inches to be able to to reach up to that upper hold and before you knew it not only was i proficiently climbing at the climbing gym and falling off the wall many many times um but the i remember the first time that i actually did an overhang that i had my feet wedged into these holes and my arms and I'm thinking oh my gosh my arms are they're just burning I just I can't hold it and then I just made one move and then next thing you know I was above the overhang and I thought oh my gosh I did it I did it I I did something that in my mind I believed I would never be able to achieve and I, you know, I went on to, to climb the a 500 pitch climb in, in Colorado and uh, in lots of different places all over the country. And it was a big difference from being in a climbing gym to actually being on, on a mountain and spending your whole day and then coming to where you thought there, there would be a belay rope to be able to get down the mountain and discover that it wasn't there and had to figure out some other way to get down. And I really want to thank you because that video with Denzel really reminded me of that, uh, that really when we open ourselves up to a possibility that it does make uh, things within ourselves. We discover things about ourselves that we never knew. So, um, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on what it was that spoke to you 
I mean, there are so many things that spoke to me, but I'd love to hear what uh, was most impactful from that uh, that that wonderful video on Benzel Washington about failure. Well, I mean, it it. Thank you, um, and great story by the way about about that. I still haven't climbed in the climbing wall yet, um, not because I don't want to, but because I just haven't exposed myself to that experience. I have, however, from uh, a young age. I think I did my first rappel down a, a hundred to two hundred foot uh, cliff when I was I was eleven. I was eleven when that happened. Um, and a word popped in my mind when you were talking about your climbing wall experience, and that is exhilarating. We, mm-hmm. not a word, it's funny, I used the word last week doing, in, in, in describing something, and I said, I haven't used that word in a long time. Exhilarating, you know, exhilaration. We have a tendency to slip in, into a groove. Mm-hmm. And when we're in that groove, we're not taking risks. We're not stretching outside of, of, of the little groove that we're in. We're, we're in it. It's comfortable. It's like a, like a, uh, a well-worn shoe. Put it on, feels good. Um, and what we have to do on occasion is get a different pair of shoes, get a new pair of shoes, put them on, and, and wear them in. Uh, we have to uh, take a risk, get a different style. Try something different uh, because as uh, there, there were many takeaways from th- this uh, video with uh, with uh, Denzel, and I, I guess what we should do uh, when we when we make the podcast, um, put the link in there to this to this video so that people can watch oh, wow. it themselves and and really understand. It's a video of, of of Denzel talking to a college graduation class graduate graduating class four years ago uh, from the date that we're doing this uh, this um, particular uh, show. So when you're looking at at the takeaways from this, it was, you know, he tells the story of his life and, and where he was and, and the risks he took. And, and it was about really, um, we've heard this before, somebody else said it, fails fail spectacularly. Go do something where you, you, you know there's a high degree of failure. Um, and do it early. Because, and, and do it often. Do things that you aren't so assured of. So that when you fail or make a mistake or um, you know something happens that uh, where you don't necessarily succeed, you develop the resilience to bounce back. You know that's really what you're working on is resilience. That's the personal uh, the the tool, the personal life tool that you really want to have more than anything else. And he says, you know, I didn't become a, a, an Academy Award winning actor from or nominated actor, I think he might have won one, but I'm not quite certain. But from from you know being turned down the first time, walking away. It's it's I know because my brother's an actor. So in 1981, when he said I'm going to go go to L.A. and be an actor, um, he had my my mother told him, look, I'll pay your rent for two years, then you're done. <laughs> and it was it was amazing because that's the way mom was. That's the way mom was. She says, I want you to realize your dream. You went to school. You got a degree in this. Um, you, you, had, you have experience acting and all the behind the scenes and stage. You got, you've, got the, you've got the bachelor arts degree. Um, and, he, and he said he, he'd come back to Sacramento at that point where we lived, and he lived with us for like two years. 
And it's like, well, wait a minute here. Hold on a second. I want to be an actor. He said, you know, I want to be an actor. It's only one place to be an actor. You got to go to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You got to go there, and you got to you got to you got to dive in with both feet. And that's when she told him, okay, fine, I'll pay your rent for two years, and and uh, so you won't have to worry about whether or not you're going to have a place to stay for two years, and you can give it your 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 best and biggest shot. Well, it didn't take him very long. I think it took him about three, four, six months or something like that, seven months to get on his to get on his feet, get a job the first time out. He also went and got a job in in uh you know, he did he did serving work in a restaurant, uh, that kind of thing, which most actors do. He works he's worked in he sang guitar, he played guitar in, in, in various places and and uh, you know, got paid that way and, and was a singing waiter in a French restaurant for a while. Um, you know, you you do what you need to do. Even though you, I, my brother never served anywhere in his life, he, you know, all of a sudden he's serving in a restaurant. I'm going, whoa, okay, that's really kind of cool. And that's what a lot of people did because it was night work. In the daytime, they were out mm-hmm. hustling, right? They were out hustling. And people ask me, they say, well, how come you didn't become an actor? And I said, just because you know, I had this guy. It's really interesting to tell you some. That story. wasn't your dream, <laughs> right? Yeah, well, it's it's interesting because it wasn't. It's not a lot of people's dream, but I was. I was on the Paramount lot. Um, my brother was in Star Trek at the time, his first year in Star Trek, and we went down to visit Paramount Studios where they shot it. And so we went, you know, onto the studio. We went to, to see him shoot a little bit. And then we went out to, we went to the cafeteria. And the cafeteria is where everybody, all the extras and other people go to eat. The food is awesome. The chefs are spectacular. And the food is inexpensive. So you're on the lot, and that's where you go to have lunch, right? So we went there, and my mother and I, mother was with, with us, and my sister was, was, was with us as well. So we went to the cafeteria, and, and there was this big black guy. He came in, and, and he was having lunch, but he was sitting by himself. He said, why don't you come sit, by, sit with us? And he says, oh, yeah, okay, all right. So he came over. Turns out he was a, an L.A. cop, uh, and he had the stature uh, to be a heavy in the movies, right? bodyguard, this, that, you know, security guy. Um, and so he said, he said, uh, yeah, I just started, you know, I just, I, I'm still a cop. I just take leave to go do, you know, I get flown all over the world to do, to do parts in movies. <laughs> I said, what? He says, what? yeah, he says, you could be an actor. You've got great diction. You've, you've got confidence. You could do what I'm doing. And I said, except for the fact that I'm not a hunk, the hulking, you know, walking <laughs> muscular, you know, appendage like you, uh, I could, I could probably, he says, yeah, he says, it's, 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 it's easy. You just have to have the confidence. And I'm going, that's fantastic. Not necessarily my thing. Uh, however, it, acting is the one, um, it's the one profession that I know of outside of, um, even you know, I think it's, I think that I've that I've heard of where you can literally turn people down for cause, whatever that cause may be. It doesn't matter if you if if the producer or the casting director doesn't like them, even though they may be perfect at the role, they just not. Nah, that's it. You know, if you're if you're t- too tall, you're too short, your nose is too long, uh, you're you're the wrong color, you're a woman, not a man. You know, you're a man, not a woman. You know, I mean, it's just, it, it could be anything. It's whatever cause, that's it, you're done. 
No, no, you're not going to get the role. They, and there's hundreds of people that are auditioning. So literally you have to develop a very thick skin, and this is what Denzel was saying, is that you, you, you get turned down, but you keep coming back. You keep coming back. Mm-hmm. You keep coming back. And he said, eventually, somebody hired me. Somebody hired me. And, and, and then, you know, the rest is history. Same thing with my brother. There's this old catch-22 that you can't get a job without an agent. You can't get an agent without a job. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, that, that's the catch-22 in, in Hollywood. You just can't go down there and just, you know, go to a casting director. You have to have an agent. So it, it's you have to <laughs> to kind of do both simultaneously. Find an agent and then, you know, go out for work. The, the agent doesn't sign you until you know, you, you, they sure, they're sure that you can, you can actually get some work because uh, they don't want to waste a lot of time. And it, it's just, but it, it's about basically going, putting yourself out there for personal rejection, and you've got to keep going. You've got to keep mm-hmm. flowing. You've got to keep, gotta keep moving. And, and what, something that, uh, that Denzel has said within the context of, of this beautiful uh, video is that you want to fail, he says, but fail forward. Know where you're. Know where you're falling when you fail. I, I, thought, it was, I thought it was, you know, kind of brilliant. Um, oh, that you want to, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to fail backwards. You want to fail forwards. <laughs> you want to see, you want to see yourself falling so that you can, you know, catch yourself and get back up. You don't want to fall backwards. You don't know where you're going. You know. Um, you also, it, it, you want to keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Never stop going forward. Even if it's one step in front of the other, somebody you, you get turned down for something, you don't get a job, you don't get something that you really wanted, and instead of falling back into a state of of, uh, of pity, self pity, uh, and, uh, and or anger or depression of some particular kind, oh woe is me, you fall forward where you go, okay, that didn't work, let's try it again. And let's mm-hmm. do something different. Maybe I need to learn one thing. Maybe what can I learn? And sometimes what, what, what um, I know in, in interviews I've heard people say, they've asked, why didn't you? They, they've maybe reconnected with, with the person who interviewed them and said, why didn't you give me the job? What was it about me? Which is a really bold move, quite frankly, mm-hmm. uh, to sure. say to ask that question. I mean, you can't ask casting casting directors and others if you're an actor because they don't have the time for you and they don't want to they don't want to be bothered. Um, however, you can what you glean from the failure is in many cases more important than the failure itself. What you glean from it that you can mm-hmm. take and maybe improve on, you know, and it could be some nuance. This could be something very simple. Maybe you didn't smile enough. Maybe you didn't have the right body posture that uh, reflected confidence and, and the like. So it's really, it's really kind of interesting. However, I like to say, what can you do? What can you choose to do that, that's where you can take a risk? And this is mm-hmm. the other thing that, uh, that Denzel was pointing out, is that you have to take risks. Absolutely. Uh, in order to feel the exhilaration, which usually comes from success, you have to experience the failure to understand. It's a contrast. You know, if, you, if you're always getting something and it's easy, then the exhilaration is muted because you've always had it. There's no contrast. You've never not had something. You, 
when you, when you don't get something, when you have to build resilience, you understand the difference between the feelings that you have when you've failed and the feelings you have when you have success. You've got that, that contrast that you can look upon. And the exhilaration is, is higher. The degree of exhilaration is higher because you know you've, you've been on the other side of the street, so to speak. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's just it's believing yourself. It's taking risks. It's doing things where you know there's a high degree of failure. However, you know that there's something you will learn. Uh, and you'll get better at whatever it is, and make a plan for yourself of some kind. Have a have right. a plan of some kind um, that yeah. you can, that you can take forward. Um, you know, I, I I say this because it's, it's interesting because Denzel and I had a uh, I discovered something when I listened to this that we have a sort of a, a parallel uh, in our lives, and that is that when I went, he said when he went to school, he tried uh, pre med, failed spectacularly. Uh, he said, I, he says, I didn't fail. Mm-hmm. I failed spectacularly at pre-med. Uh, then I tried law, pre-law. Uh, that didn't work out either. I tried something else. <laughs> he says, that didn't work out. And he says, I had, a, I had a, he says, I was bouncing around all over the place. I had a 1.8 grade point average. And the dean came to me and he said, maybe you ought to take a break. <laughs> maybe you ought to take a break and figure out what you want to do with your life, you know, because you're, you're failing spectacularly at things that, you know, I mean, one thing or another. And I said, you know, that's interesting because when I went to college back in 1976, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I just, I went. I was basically killing time for about two and a half years, killing time until I finally left. But because I wasn't, I, I, in my view, we are asking young people to make decisions, long-term decisions about their lives, and we've talked about this before, way before they should, way before they have the mental capacity to, to make a decision about spending thousands of dollars to go to school for something that they discover they don't like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I have a nephew graduated from UCLA uh, here this last June. And with a 4.1 grade point average, you want to talk about wow. smart? Uh, it comes easy to him, and it came easy to his sister. 4.1 all throughout high school, 4.1 at four years at UCLA. Oh, my gosh. Valedict this, valedictorian that. It's pretty amazing uh, how easy it, it, it came for him. However, he did an interview for a, uh, a position at a hospital because he thinks he wants to go to medical school. However, he doesn't know what he wants to do to medical school. So before he spends his money on medical school, which he's still studying for, by the way, to get into medical to take the test to get into medical school, he's going, he decided he wanted to go get a job at a, at a, um, at a hospital to shadow cardiologists, or this or that, you know, different doctors to find out what life was really like for them, what their day was really like. And I said, I said, that's just brilliant. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of, you know, because my sister said, we're going to spend a lot of money on going to med school for this kid. You know, and, 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 but he did it on his own. He went out and, and evidently he aced the interview so much that, uh, so well that the, the, the gal who, who uh, interviewed him said, I've never had an interview like you before. Never. Wow. He goes, really? He goes, Yeah. She, she, she's absolutely, I've never had an interview go this well. And uh, I'm just the stage one. There's another interview beyond that. I have to recommend somebody. I'm recommending you. 
So she's all recommending you. And I said, I said, he's always been amazing, but it, he always takes risks. And that's what my sister instilled in him is that you need to go out Mm -hmm. and put yourself out there and, and, and feel the feelings that you feel and, and work through them because that's the, that's how you develop the resilience muscle that you have and mm-hmm. understand yourself and understand how to move past those feelings. You, otherwise you, you're, you're not going to do it. So a lot of, a lot of people out there who may be listening uh, uh, to today's show on PRNFM, it's, if you know someone, encourage them to go do anything and everything that comes to mind. It's, it's just, it doesn't matter. You're never going to find out what you like until you try something. And, uh, right. and, and, and if you don't do well at it, at least you know that wasn't for me. However, you mm-hmm. are going to still learn something along the way from someone on whatever it is. So that's kind of those are the takeaways that I have from from this. Yeah, uh, I, and I so appreciate that because when he said nothing in life is worthwhile unless you take the risk. I think when you fail or you fall forward, it was for him about growing and learning from that experience. And I chuckled when he said he had an audition for Broadway. He's like, oh, I would be perfect for this role. And the person who who was auditioning right before him, he said, sang like Pavarotti. And, and I've been in that situation where you <laughs> see somebody do something and you're like, how the heck am I going to follow up? Like, or, yeah. or even in a class and you go around and you introduce yourself and then, uh, somebody has some spectacular things to say about their life, and then you're like, okay, and you're next, and you are, and then you go, ah, you know, <laughs> where where are you at that point? And he went on to share that uh, then he was paired up with this individual, and they had the lines, and, and he, he said it was something like, you know, I, I'll give you this cup, and the the person yeah. answered, "I'll give you this cup," and projected it. <laughs> and I, I just had to laugh because how many times in life have we been in a situation, and then and then we are ourselves. We we look at ourselves as less than, rather than seeing ourselves oh, yeah. just as different. We offer something different, and that's mm-hmm. okay. And I think that that's where we have to. Acknowledge that, that in those failures, you know, what, what did you do right? What potential do you have? Um, what things went wrong in his audition? He didn't really see it as a, as, a, as a failure. He just found out that he wasn't particularly right for that particular part. Yeah. And I think that as you start to refine and, and look through that, but it, it, you do have to take a risk. And, and I had... There was a, a story that I heard not that long ago about this individual. He was in a race, and he said at the end of the race, there's always the free free table. So for every runner that's in the race, there's bagels yeah. or T-shirts or whatever right. else. And he said what's so interesting is the people who at the end of the race will look at the line and go, mm, no, I don't really want that. The line's too long. I don't want that because the line is too long. They, and, and I thought to myself, what an interesting metaphor for life. How many times do we sort of say, we, we don't wait 
for what it is that's offered to us. I mean, it's like here's a gift from the universe, and you could take it, but no, you know what? I don't know. I I have to do X, Y, Z to get to through that door. I don't think so. I don't want to wait through that. But then they will later on, maybe a half hour later, they're at breakfast. Oh, you got a T-shirt. Well, that's a really nice T-shirt. But you know what? I, I, you know, I I didn't really want that T-shirt anyway. (laughs) Very interesting, isn't it? Very, very interesting. One of the more, one of the more, uh, probably the 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 phrase that he used that got me when he was standing in the wings listening to the guy who sounded like Pavarotti. (laughs) The thing that stood out for me was he said, "I felt myself getting smaller and smaller as Mm -hmm. I was standing there." And I mean, how many times have you been in that situation? You just described it. I mean, that's that's what it is. You're you're sitting there getting, you're feeling, oh boy, this person's done all of that, and I'm just sitting here, <laughs> you know, just doing, doing my thing. But you're right. You're right. Everybody is an individual. Maybe that particular person did what they were doing because they had opportunities to do it, and maybe you didn't have opportunities to do it. Not because, you know, maybe you didn't have the opportunity to choose those things that they had, that they had done. Because everybody's life path is different. Uh, and we all blossom, and we all learn. Uh, we all grow at a different pace, at a different, on a different uh, scale, so to speak. So it's very interesting when I hear people. I mean, we've all. I've, I have been there. I, I know you're sitting there listening to somebody wrap off all this stuff, and I'm also cognizant that when I'm in a situation like that, when people say, "What? Are, what? Are, you know, tell us a little about you." I have a. I'm cognizant of of everybody else in the room, and I basically just give something I don't want to make anybody else feel less than because I might have done right. I had the opportunity to do more so I'll just you know a couple quick things I do this I do, I do that you know um, I don't need to glorify any of anything that uh, that I've done and because it's still there you know it's still in the memory banks I have those experiences uh, and at some particular point in time it may it may be the right time for me to to, to say that. However, it's it's putting ourselves out there. I mean, I talked about mm-hmm. several shows ago, you know, going down 400 feet into the ground uh, for, you know, doing some spelunking and not understanding exactly what I'd signed up for. Uh, and, but I wanted to do it. And I, I did, I do love rappelling and I've done it many times since. And it's a great confidence builder Mm-hmm. It's a it's a great way to expose yourself to something different. You don't have to be a full fledged, you know, repeller down from helicopters and all this kind of stuff. You do it for a living. However, it's fun and it helps you understand how it helps you grasp, I should say, how take take the risk and actually succeed. It gives you that opportunity to do that. We all have to give ourselves opportunities to feel exhilaration. You know, mm-hmm. not being adrenaline junkies, so to speak, but to feel the, 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 what it's like to be exhilarated. It's just, it's, we have to do that. And when we do that, we, we have, those feelings can bleed into other areas of our life and other experiences that we have. I tell this to people more than anything else that, you know, success is something when you, when you experience it, 
no matter what degree of success it is, it makes you feel awesome. And you can then, those feelings then bleed into other areas of your life. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing how it can build, help you build confidence in doing things that you haven't done before because you succeeded in something else that was completely different. Mm-hmm. I love oh, it. Oh, 100%. Yeah. No, just just yeah. do. Picking yourself up again, you know, after you fall, like he said, falling forward. And I, one of the things that I absolutely loved that he shared, and I didn't know because you shared it with me that his mother owned a barbershop, but he had said, you know, if you sit in the barbershop, long enough sooner or later you're going to get a haircut and i thought <laughs> i love that huh, i love so that many, i really so did. many because... golden nuggets that is definitely one of them <laughs> <laughs> for me it was too. for me it yeah. was because i have um always been more of an optimist my sister was a, more of a pessimist my dad said if he if he filled up a room with horse manure and you know he put me in there and then he put my sister in there she'd be like oh dad got us a horse but it's gone and me I would look for the horse I would be like well you know I definitely see that there's horse manure so somewhere there's got to be a horse and and I would just <laughs> I like that. keep looking and looking and looking and recently as you know Michael I misplaced something that was very dear yeah to me. And that's right I it was oh it was really very agonizing and I reached out to many different people who I knew that were intuitive and one of them said to me well it's it's gone and you know that sometimes things are only yours for a short time and it has to go um, and be passed on to somebody else and that your need for it came to an end and I thought well, thank you for that opinion, but no, I can't <laughs> let that go. At I this can accept point, that. I, just, I was not ready to accept that. I mean, I, and then I kind of got into this place where I was like, I just kept visualizing myself saying, I found it. I, and it's like going, I found it. And I kept rehearsing that. I found it. I found it. I found it. And sure enough, I had sort of just surrendered. I got on with some other things. I wasn't doing anything other than talking to a friend of mine on the phone. And without even thinking, I walked upstairs into my office and opened up this envelope and reached in, and there it was. And I said, I found it. And I was so grateful. And and it was not that I couldn't have surrendered it, the loss of it, but it was just, it was the meaning. It wasn't even the dollar value of it. It was just the meaning. And right. and I just, I, you know, and, and it's so interesting because failure is a lot like that because we lose bits and pieces of ourselves oftentimes when we perceivingly fail at something. But if we look at it, as a growth experience. I mean, I, I think about uh, when I had to run run less than an eight-minute mile to make the track team. And just, <laughs> I was not a distance runner. I was a sprinter. I'm thinking, why do I have to do laps? Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do that? And, and then it was like the exhilaration of tryouts and actually making the team. And then going off and doing things and, and just you know, really, I think, 
and you know, I ran hurdles. So sometimes when you ran hurdles, you would get go. The first hurdle every season was the hardest. You know, you'd like run run up to it and you'd stop, and then you know you go back, and then you'd run up to it, and then all of a sudden I'd lift my leg and I'd throw over a hurdle and I'd be fine. And I'd be like, oh, okay, now I've got X amount of hurdles left in front of me, and I would go through them. And sometimes, you know, your foot would catch, and then you'd end up on the ground with cinders in your knee if you're on a cinder oh, yeah, track falling. wherever it was. And But, you know, I didn't stop. You know, if I, if I fell during a race, I got up. I always, you know, unless it was something really agonizing, but I always wanted to finish the race, even if I wasn't, even if I didn't place. And I think that that's what Denzel's saying in there, that, you know, you don't fail as long as you try. And, that's very and true. <laughs> that is absolutely true. Not failing. It, it's not, you're not failing as long as you keep going, as long as you, um, you keep making attempts. You're, you're not failing. You're actually learning something. Uh, even mm-hmm. if, if the end result isn't what you expected, you've learned something, something that you can take into the next effort. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's that's where uh, I tell that to golfers all the time, especially you know those that are uh, that are newbies out there. Is that you know it's the five inches between your ears that's going to determine whether or not you can move forward in this game or not. Because you're going to either talk yourself into it or talk yourself out of it, and that's going to be based on um, the the way you feel about yourself as you're beginning. Because you will in golf you will fail at and you'll fail big time uh, until you grasp the principles and the nuances and all the other physicalities that are involved in in the game. And um, I tell you this, I guess I've, I've, I've written a wrote a podcast I haven't produced yet, and I, I used a uh, an, an example of something about in terms of belief. Uh, mm-hmm. A girlfriend who plays, um, she plays. Well, the average she plays better than the average female golfer in in the country who shoots probably uh, a ten or twelve stroke more uh, average than than she does. She's been playing a long time. She's had she's played long enough to have great luck. Um, and twice in the last two weeks, she's put the little white ball in a four inch hole from off the green some forty yards away. And I'm like, wow. wait a minute. And I'm like, not once but twice now. Honestly, <laughs> great. I can't. I can't tell you the last time I did that. Now my score is spectacular, but I I haven't done that in a while. So it's interesting how you, you know, it, that as I like to say, golf like like life is full of miracles when you believe that they're possible. When you don't hold yourself mm-hmm. back, when you don't prevent yourself from believing in that that something is possible. Something better than can occur can can come out of that, and that's uh, one of the little things that uh, about life that in in a way that it mirrors um, golf or in many other games. But golf has so many nuances to it, uh, where if you think you can do something, it actually manifests almost instantaneously. <laughs> It is pretty amazing mm-hmm. how that can be the case. And you're like, wow, if you wanted to do that in life, it would take a while. It'd take certain things lining up, you know, planets, stars, 
sun's got to be in the right place, moon's got to be in the right place, the circumference of the earth has to be in the right spot, I've got to be in the right geographical location, latitude, longitude, to make that happen. But, you know, out there it's like, you know, simple. You know, you just, you just, you get the, you get the miracle uh, because you simply believe and your body goes, oh, okay, fine. It, he, he believes he can do this, let's do this. You know, let's make, let's make this happen. And you can talk yourself into doing, into doing miraculous things. And when, in, mm-hmm. in life, you can, do the same, you can do the same thing. You can talk yourself into doing you know, miraculous things, into things happening, because you never know what situation that you're going to be in. So it, when, you're, when you're positive and you're loving, when you're kind, when you're uh, loving to yourself and kind to yourself, don't beat yourself up, uh, and you love life, regardless of what's going on in life, you keep the door open. You keep so that miracles can kind of slip in, slip mm-hmm. in for you. Uh, and uh, instead of the opposite, which is maintaining an attitude that is based on the past, on something that didn't work out, uh, and carrying that forward into your next your next effort. And that's that's one of the things that, that I, uh, I keep talking about golf incessantly, but that's, it's, it's so immediate that if you didn't do well, you, if you don't get rid of that feeling, those thoughts, if you don't shake that off and let it go and adopt a, a great attitude, just forget all about it and move forward, then you will carry that angst, that um, tightness, that energy that you have, everything will go into the next effort. And the next effort will be, in many cases, just as bad. Because there, it's influenced, it's being driven, it's, it's by the, the, the energy of the last effort that didn't go so well. The, the, the mindset, the physicality, everything, it just that you just draw that negative into the next moment and, and it, it's immediately just as bad as the other because that's what you brought into it. And I tell people, like, right. in, in life, too, okay, so you, not, that didn't work out. Didn't work out. The relationship didn't work out. The job didn't work out. The, the, the boss you have now is not what you thought they were going to be. I mean, whatever it may be, it's, it's the mindset that you actually have. It's how you process that and are able to let it go and, and begin anew. It's how quickly you can do that. It, that's mm-hmm. going to determine how the next effort is going to be, how it's going to uh, unfold. He did, by the way, um, give the, uh, the uh, Edison inventing the light bulb analogy, which is really awesome, the, that, that particular story. And I've heard it said different ways. I've heard it said that you know, he yeah. tried 10,000 times to make a light bulb. I've heard it 1,000 times. You know, it doesn't really matter. The point is, he never stopped trying to make a light bulb and never said he couldn't make a light bulb. Isn't that interesting? Right. Now, here's a little something I learned this week. Didn't know this. Edison developed a light bulb, but a black inventor invented the filament that allowed the light bulb to, to burn for hours and days and weeks and months and years. You know that? That's amazing. No, I Very didn't interesting. know that. A black inventor right. invented that, yeah, just basically their contribution was, was an improvement 
on what Edison had created. It, in and of itself, he was able to create the light bulb, but not the longevity of the light bulb, which is, mm-hmm. and I'm like, wow, it's the things that you learn. And I have a book here about inventors, and I'm going to look to see if it's uh, black inventors, and I've got to see if it's, if it's, if it's in there. I, I say that mm. it could have been an you know, Asian inventor or, uh, you know, an Indian inventor or somebody else. It, it really, the point is that <clears throat> we, we can derive exam- from, from examples that are out there. You know, we need to see, it, it's good to see somebody like you who's done something really, really valuable and really important, which is why I like Denzel going out. He talks to, uh, to colleges, uh, historic sure. black colleges. He speaks to uh, boys and girls clubs around the country. He goes around the world speaking to various people. He's a, uh, a well-known personality. But he's also an African-American, so he's, his, his goal is to go out to, 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 to African-American communities and, and help people understand, look, this is, this is the way life works, and this is how you can be successful. Right. And uh, sure. it's, it's, it's what's going on in your head, that five inches between your ears that determines pretty much where you go and how you get there. Yeah, and, and I think you, a lot of times, yeah. when you, you mentioned to me that he did not grow up in the, uh, the most affluent of circumstances. You know, sometimes people forget where individuals come from. They see, wow, he, you know, he's... Uh, got all of these accolades, he's an Oscar winner, all of these different things, but they yeah. forget where they came from. From that barber chair, sitting in there cleaning the floors, helping his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and we've talked about her before, Sarah Blakely. Uh, she's a billionaire entrepreneur. And when she would come home, her dad would say after school, like, what did you fail at today? And, and he would always applaud them for trying. You know, go okay. Go try something else. See what that works. And so, you know, when she was, she started her business at age 27 with five thousand dollars from her personal savings. And basically, she just didn't like the way she looked at, in white pants. <laughs> and so, she cut the feet off of her pantyhose and she started wearing them. And she's like, hmm, maybe there's something here. And she had no idea. She was a fax salesman. She did not. She sold fax machines. She knew nothing about uh, women's undergarments or the fashion industry or even how she was going to go about doing it. And she basically, when she she had her prototype done, and she didn't tell anybody for a whole year what she was doing because she didn't want anybody to say, that's a stupid idea. You're never going to get that off the ground. Why are you even trying? And uh, so when she finally figured out how to get a prototype made, and she had, didn't know how to do a sales call to one of these big department stores, she just kind of grabbed the woman and said, I've some, got something to show you. And she took her into the dressing room, and the woman's like, wow, wow, I never saw that before. And, uh, you know, she she ended up being sold in exclusive stores. I think the first year revenue was close to $4 million. And, you know, she was very, very, it's very interesting, but she just always used to say, you know, don't be intimidated by what you don't know. That can be your greatest strength and ensure things that you do differently from everybody else. And and I appreciate that, you know, and like Denzel, you know, be willing to make mistakes because that will 
propel you to where you want to be. And yeah. I think Denzel mentioned something, and you know, I'm not a baseball person. Who is the baseball player that he mentioned? Oh, it's, um, um, oh I'm sorry, Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson, right. one, of the, he, one of the all-time home run hitters. Yeah. Right, but he also, he said, he said wasn't he one of the uh, biggest strikeouts? Right. But nobody remembers the, the strikeouts, strikeouts in his career. Yeah, he had the the biggest number of strikeouts than anybody else, but he also had um he was from a record book perspective, I mean he had uh the highest number of uh of home runs hit. Uh and um that is that it's a great stat. It's also oh, uh, it's a, a great, great metaphor for life though. Exactly. Exactly. Really? Exactly. You know, it's interesting, um I want to take a step back here because you were talking about Sarah Blakely that you know the the reason that she and she knew this innately um it's it's interesting how this happens the human mind is highly susceptible to suggestion mm-hmm. and when you have a dream when you have a goal something that you're working towards you have to keep it to yourself you really need to keep it to yourself because it's your energy and thought that's going into whatever and effort that's going into making it happen and we don't know necessarily why other people need to rain on your parade maybe it's jealousy maybe it's they never took the risk that you took maybe they did and they failed and they never went back and 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 tried again Uh, maybe that was the end of it for them however the unique thing about it is that that is the reason that i was given when i was uh i was i was doing some some research and uh, I forgot who the gentleman was. Dr. Joseph Murphy had it in one of his mm-hmm. books from the early 1900s that, that the human mind, don't tell anybody what you're doing because your mind is susceptible to sub- suggestion. And uh, if you're, if, I, the other comment out of that is if you don't have anything positive to say, don't say anything at all. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's the other, the other um, uh, thing that... Uh, you know, my mother said, I'm sure, and maybe yours did, others did as well. Oh, yes, absolutely. Don't have yeah. anything nice to say. Don't say anything at all. And you're like, yeah, yeah. all right. <laughs> Fantastic. But that's, as a, as a parent, you know, this is the first thing that need to go, needs to go into a parenting book, is mm-hmm. encouraging your kids to fall, encouraging your kids to fail. Um, you know, you're on the right track. When you see, someone's on the right track, when you see this uh, 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 mark under their chin where they fell as a kid, right? How many kids have you seen oh. with a mark on their chin? Fell down and split your chin open, right? And so you have a scar sure. there. <laughs> it's like it's like that's that's it's a scar of honor, man. You 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 did something. You uh, you took a risk and didn't work out. And that's your scar for life. Um, and unfortunately, I, I encounter a lot of, uh, of uh, parents nowadays that don't want their kids to be in a position. They want to they wanna child-proof everything so that that can't possibly mm-hmm. happen. Um, and, and bending over backwards to do so. And I can't remember any house that we ever lived in, every two years we moved, that my mother ever used that kind of mindset oh it, is this is this something that you know can my kid fall off that balcony from the third floor um who cares 
they got to be smart enough not to fall off the balcony. I'll tell them not to fall off the balcony. They know they should know. You know, it's possible. Um, yeah, she empowered you with critical thinking. Right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. All that you're doing it, it's better to do that than to go ahead of go ahead and 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 childproof an area so that you're com- severely limiting the possibility of what could happen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, is it safe? Is it safe? Is it safe? I don't know. There's no place that's absolutely safe. You can't. It's not possible. Excuse me, you can't. It's not possible, really, to, to go and, and, and look at every possible avenue uh, from which there could be a problem. There could be a, a, an issue. Um, however, the antithesis, which is teaching reasoning, teaching critical thinking, that's important. That's valuable. You know, look at this thing. You're three feet tall. This thing is four feet tall. Can you climb that extra foot and fall down 100 feet? Yeah, that's possible. However, would it be in your best interest to do so? No. I wouldn't be, you wouldn't be around for me to love you anymore. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's pretty interesting. Um, and uh, this, this kind of thinking is applied in a lot of different ways. There's a lot of things going on. But, I, you know, the human mind is susceptible to suggestion, and Sarah Blakely um, was, was very right to stay focused on what she was doing because she's a billionaire now. Um, but she's also um, a wonderful person. Yeah, I think yeah. she is a wonderful person too, a mother okay. and uh, just giving back. and, and exactly. just yeah. yeah. Very grateful. Yeah, and that, mm-hmm. Yeah, and very, I think she's just very humble. I did her her master class and loved it. I I took it three times because I there were so many powerful takeaways in there for me. Do I do I want to start an undergarment company? No, but there are things in there that I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and it. And I go ahead. Yeah, I mean, and and I think one of the thing is too is not to be afraid of change because not, she started with that business and then there were certainly other individuals that uh, came out with similar products and then she said, okay, well, we still have this and we still have that. And she's constantly looking for other things. Just like Denzel, his first, I don't know what his very first job he got hired at. He didn't speak about that. But you think about that as, a again, another metaphor for life. Like, you know, he, he would have been in this role, and then he was on this role. And then as later on in life, he was in Fences, and he was back in that same theater where he had that audition where he failed. Yeah. And yeah. he was I saw the Fences received... movie. It's actually quite moving. Is he it? did a I movie of it with it. Uh, Viola Davis. Okay. She was in the play, but they, they turned the play into a movie um, called Fences. Okay. And I believe it was on Netflix. Um, oh, okay. Netflix or Amazon or Apple. It might have been on Apple, but Apple TV. But they, the, the movie is, is, is quite moving, and it is a um, – there's, there's so much to take away from that particular movie. Uh, and the ending is wonderful. The ending is absolutely – it's very uplifting. You, you're you're going to cry at the ending. I mean, it's just it, – mm. it's not because – yeah, I mean it's 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 got it's got. I'm not going to ruin it. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it. But it, it is a fabulous. <laughs> it's a fabulous ending. It is. It's, it's exactly what you would hope for. Um, 
and it comes out of nowhere because it has nothing to do with Viola Davis <laughs> or, or 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 he. You know, it it mm. it's it's very interesting the way that it uh, that it uh, that it ends. Um, and and you just have to see the movie and work through the the plot and the story and and. Uh, uh, and and everything that's 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 part of it. There's forgiveness in it. There's a lot of different things that are part of the movie that are it's just like life. You have to be willing mm-hmm. to uh, uh, practice ho'oponopono, baby, all the time. You got to practice. Right. And, and you know, here's here's the other thing. We talk about failure and and falling forward. Um, but yeah, I don't know if we talk enough about the fact that that forgiveness is. Personal forgiveness is the tool you use to move forward. It's one of them, mm-hmm. uh, one of the main ones that you have to. When you when you fail, you have to forgive yourself for the failing, for whatever happened that led to the failure, so that you can shed it, let it go, and move on. Try it again if you must. You know, again, the Reggie Reggie Jackson uh, hitting the hitting a home run is awesome. However, you're going to rack up, it, you know, in order to be the home run king or queen, you have to have strikeouts. The, the, yeah, the one sure. cannot happen without the other. Well, that's it's so true, Michael. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Not taking the safe route and taking the walk. Yeah, that, and it's that, that same thing. You know, you're going to wait in line for that free T-shirt and be persistent and get what you get what you want where your vision is or are you going to just let it pass you by because you don't want to make the effort and, and he did he would swing that bat and swing that bat and swing that bat and swing that bat and eventually he it cracked <laughs> and that ball sailed and, and the rest is history yeah yeah absolutely it's it's a uh... When you're in business, you're going to get a lot more. Lot, you're going to get a lot of no's, and mm-hmm. if you're selling something, you're going to get a whole lot of no's. Uh, however, the the reasoning behind the no uh, can be multi-layered, and there's always something to learn from the no. Um, it, most of it, and, and for anybody who's an entrepreneur out there, the, the if someone if you do get a no, it's always good to ask, why didn't you buy my product? What was it about my product mm-hmm. that didn't resonate with you? So that you can learn from it. So that the next time you're pitching the product to somebody, you can have that in mind. Sometimes it's a function of the way that you yourself pitched the product, the way that you um, brought it up to, to that person. Maybe that person just wasn't right for it, and you didn't figure that out early enough. You know, if you've got a house and you're trying to sell somebody a house, they already have a house. They, it's going to be a lot more challenging to sell a house to somebody who's already got one than to somebody who doesn't. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it goes. Yeah. And maybe that was the reason why. I mean, there's all kinds of reasoning, but there's there's uh, doing a oh my gosh, what was it? Um, a forensic. The word forensics came to me from uh, dealing with something else. Uh, sort of a, a a forensic take on. Mm-hmm why you failed is always right. a very good thing. I do it in golf right. all the time. Why did that shot go right? What did I do? You know, why did that thing happen the way it was? What was it about me? What was my mindset at the time? And I go, okay, got to shake that mindset. 
next time I do this and I've got to be more fluid and I, I practice this thing and practice it and, you know, the next one will go, will go better because I kind of did a very quick forensics of what happened, forensic process. Right. And, and that, uh, that is, is pretty amazing. Now, there's one other word that I heard, what term I heard this week um, from Ken Burns, the, uh, the Academy Award-winning uh, documentarian. Film document. Y'all know you know who Ken Burns is, right? Mm, Ken Burns. So. <laughs> Ken Burns. He does all the documentaries on PBS. He does. He's okay. done documentaries about everybody. Lincoln and I mean, you name it, everybody. Um, and Ken is pretty. He does like the documentaries on the Civil War, and and uh, he does the documentaries on events that have emotional consequence. He gets delves into mm. the emotional aspects of things, not just facts of, you know, this happened, that happened, and, and, and here's where it was, and there's where it wasn't. He gets into the mindset behind the people, the emotional, he called it emotional archaeology. Mm. <laughs> it was like, I'm like blown away by this term, emotional archaeology. What was the mindset behind some of the, some of the most, um, some of the biggest events in, in America, and, and you know the people behind them. He didn't want to know. He wanted to know. It's like, why did Truman? You know, what was his mindset? What was his thinking? And by going back and 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 looking at papers and things around the, from pe- that people wrote back in the day when people wrote documents and papers and kept those things, right? Um, you go back and research. What was the emotional archaeology? I thought it was. I thought it was a fabulous. Uh, I'd never heard that term before. I think I'm going to be using it a lot <laughs> because yeah, it's what we have really. to do with ourselves, in my view. Absolutely... That's what we need to do. Yeah. No. Think about why we do things. And ask yourself, too, when you fail, what did you do right? Right. You know, yes, you failed, but what, what right. were the things that you did right in exactly. that whole process? That's part it of It may the... not be the outcome that you wanted, right. but... And, I, and I'm sure that as you're golfing with Sandy, and you guys are, you are such a, a great team that you are, you're cheering her on and going, wow, you did that once. Now you've done it twice. You know, mm-hmm. what, what, oh, and, yeah. and you're even asking yourself, well, I haven't been able to do that. And, but you're not feeling badly that you haven't been able to do that because you do things equally well. And, you know, it's... You know, it's your own, it's your own, it, you're responsible for your own outcomes. Mm-hmm. That's the wonderful thing I love about the game. It's not a team sport. You're responsible for your own outcomes. And, uh, and, and as a result of that, the responsibility, the accountability is on you. And a lot of times people quit the game because they can't deal with that fact. They can't deal with the fact that they failed and there's nothing to blame it on, no one to blame it on. And that's a, it's, it's one of the frustrating things about golf that, that uh, makes people quit the game at a very high rate uh, and, uh, because it's taken personally. And uh, it's, you know, it's not like pickleball. Pickleball, you've got a partner. You can get a different partner. You can get a partner that's better than you. <laughs> you know, I mean, heck, uh, you, can, you can try all kinds of, of, of things. You can, do, you can do the thing. You can get better eat more easily by playing up against the wall like, you know, you could do with a tennis ball and a tennis racket, uh, you know, practice hitting shots. You can do that kind of thing, but ultimately if it's a two-person game, 
then you're right. you're partnered up with somebody, and you have to right. buy on them. You have to depend on them. You have to believe in them, just like you believe in yourself. And golf is not like that. It's you, and and I guess it'd be just it'd be like playing a tennis match against someone, where you mm-hmm. it's it's all on you, and there's right. nobody or rock climbing, right? Yeah, or yeah, rock I'm climbing. These single, yeah, these single sports. Nobody getting me up there. <laughs> yep, for me. Nobody's getting you, you up to the to top be, of that. Nope. And once you're at a certain point on the mountain, <laughs> uh, you just you got to keep going and keep moving forward. And, you know, Walt Disney used to always say that, keep moving forward, keep moving forward. You know, there were so many things. I I look back at the animatronic when he opened up the parks and his vision and where different things growing up. It just, he 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 was a pioneer and a visionary right. in wanting Robotics, to create. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I you think about how long ago that was. Yeah. Yeah, really? I mean, and those 19... are still offering. Yeah, it was the 1960s when he did Disneyland. Uh, I know I went to Walt Disney World in 1973, which was one year after it opened um, oh, for the wow. first time. Uh, and, you know, the interesting, you're, you're so right. Uh, everything you said is, is so amazing. Some of the, there's something to be learned from people um, that accomplished big things. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it, was, it was the collective. Uh, the, the the teachers uh, from Carol Coll- Carol Collins was uh, was was channeling that said think big you have to think big mm-hmm. you know it's it's not about lack it's about abundance it's about uh, think as big as you can you know it's, it's not about going to Texas it's about going to the moon you know mm-hmm. that's how big you have to go you know I'm going I'm going to the moon you may not get to the moon you may get to Texas make it to the other side of the world, but you have to think along the lines of, of something bigger. There are, as she said, which is really interesting, 8 billion, 8 plus billion people in the world. Why am I only trying to get 10,000? Yeah. 8 billion that's people. True. Well, yeah, yeah, it's true. She says, you know, that's, that's the mistake that we actually make is thinking that, you know, you're saying, oh, I'd, like to, I'd, I'd, I'd love it if I could make $5,000 a month. And I'm going... Five thousand dollars a month. Well, why are you saying where'd that number come from? You know, why not a hundred thousand dollars a month? You may not get to a hundred thousand. However, your mind will expound upon that number of a hundred thousand. It's like taking yourself to a whole different place when it comes to thinking. When mm-hmm. it comes to thinking, and that's the why place where everything is possible. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's fail big. Fail big. Mm-hmm. You know, the mm-hmm. biggest failure you can, the biggest failure you possibly can. I know people who've gone bankrupt and come back and been, you know, become ultimately, lose it all and come back. Mm-hmm. They don't allow, they don't wallow in the failure. There's no pity. You know, they're not embarrassed by it. It's just, hey, that happened. I did this. I learned this. Let's, you know, I'm going to move on and I'll build something else that I'm passionate about. You know, I'll, I'll discover a new passion and I'll go back and do it again. And then people who... Built a business, sold a business, went back and after a couple few years and were bored and decided to go back and build a new business, uh, the same business but in a different way or in a different place. Mm-hmm. They knew how to do it. Yeah. So all kinds of things can 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 happen. But like I said, fail big, fail big. Think about that. Yes. Um, and That's, and uh, I, it's a great oh, way I, to close out the show. Any last words uh, for our listeners? And, and I want to thank. Everybody for making the time uh, to connect with us here. 
on PRN FM on Connect to Love. It's it's a joy and a blessing, and uh, so grateful for each and every one of you. And uh, Michael, especially, thank you for this beautiful topic because <laughs> I can't wait to go out and fail biggest the the next big thing that I am yeah, undertaking. I would say to our I would say to our audience, think about what it is that you're doing. Think about the dreams that you have for yourself, and and uh, make a plan to at least move in that direction. Uh, get out of your comfort zone because you're 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 not going to be where you want to be unless you are willing to take a risk to move in that direction. It's just it's not going to happen um, because you're the one who has to make it happen. So think big. Uh, and fail big to learn. Thanks. Wonderful. Thank you. Wonderful week. Until next time. Thank you.